If you'd like to read with us 1 John chapter 4, we'll start about verse 15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness, in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And every one that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. That's all we'll read. Really, chapter 5 is where we started, and if you really look for a starting place, there's, there, you'll never find a real starting place. You just keep backing up. But here in, in verse 15, whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him. You know, my mind, I don't know how you think, but when you read that, you say, hold on just a minute. That can't be true. Because we know that there are people that have confessed that Jesus is the Lord. They've confessed that Jesus is the Christ. You've, you've seen them in this altar. I've seen them in the altar on Spring Creek. They make a move. They make a profession. They say Jesus is the Lord. And there's no transformation that's made. But here, I, I, and I think you've got to look at Corinthians and get the New Testament together. He says in Corinthians that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Spirit. What comes out of the natural mouth and out of the natural man, we put a lot, a lot too much weight on that sometimes. But what we're looking for is the testimony of the Spirit of God. And when from the heart... Someone can say with the witness of the Spirit of God that Jesus is the Lord. We know this. They're born of God. There's no way that man can confess that except God be in him. Except there be a birth from above. God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. So in order to get to that place, you know what we had to come to? The love of God. In order to be in God, we had to come to the love of God. And that's that's where the church is dwelling. We've known and believed the love. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. So what love is this? The world today has an idea of love and what love really is. And they say love accepts all, love pets all, and love tells all that everything's going to be all right. 
but the biblical love, and I, I believe the love of God in 1 Corinthians 13, you're going to see that charity rejoiceth not in iniquity. Charity doesn't rejoice in sin. Charity, true love, the, the love of God rejoices in righteousness, rejoices in holiness, rejoices in pureness, in uprightness. And you know what we were? We were everyone the exact opposite of righteous and holy and upright and good. We were all on the, the other end of the spectrum. We were all away from God. You know, there's so many scriptures that tell me that there's none righteous, there's none that doeth good, there's none that seeketh after God. The, the Word of God, the law, leaves me no place to claim anything good about me. So where does that leave me then? That leaves me in a place where I've got no deservedness of any good whatsoever. My deservedness is destruction. If we're going to be paid based on works, destruction is our only hope. But you know what the love of God did? The love of God provided a substitute in judgment. A substitute in wrath. That, that that I had earned and that that I had worked for, uh, that all of the sin that I'd committed and the anger and the wrath, you know, he says at the end he's going to pour out his wrath, the wine of his wrath in the cup of his indignation without mixture. I believe that day's coming. And you'll hear some proclaim that gladly, that God's going to destroy the wicked in this world. Do you know what happened for the church though? The Lord Jesus took the cup of indignation and the wine of God's wrath and he drunk every last drop of that in our place. He took the wrath of God that was made for me and for you because that's what we had earned. And the love of God for us put that on the Son, Jesus Christ and Jesus' love for the Father it brought him to obedience and he drank that in. Drinking in the punishment Drinking in the suffering that you and I owed that we would not have to endure the wrath of God Almighty. God being just. God is love. He says that here. You know how we know that God is love? God gave His Son Jesus Christ for a people that had no mind nor desire nor love for Him. A people that desired to get away from God. A people that desired to run from the truth. A people that their flesh and their carnal mind desired rebellion against God. Why He says that the law was revealed and it worked. Sin worked in me. All manner of concupiscence. You know what sin does? Does in man, we hear the law of God, we hear His standards and His requirements, and sin in me wants to break that. I wanted to break it just to break it, just for the pleasure of rebelling against authority and truth. That's where we were. And the love of God took man not when he was repentant, not when he started to seek after God, not when he started doing better, not when he started to reform, but God, while we were yet sinners, the Lord Jesus took the cup of the wrath of God and he drank it in and he drank every drop of that. There's not a drop left for me to drink. The perfect love of God has covered my sins and my transgressions. Not covered as swept under the rug. Not covered as just forgot about and floating away somewhere. 
Sin doesn't just float away. It was lifted off of me and on the back of the Lord Jesus it went. And He bore that. He bore that cup of the wrath of God. He bore it all the way to the cross and He nailed it there. And there He died. He gave His life. He gave every drop of blood that He had. He gave every ounce of strength that He had. He suffered and He he thirsted and He hungered and He died there. And all of our sin was paid for was nailed to His cross. While we were yet sinners, that was done. Before reformation, before repentance, that's what the Bible says, that was done. God commendeth His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners. While I was His enemy, Christ died for me. Paid for my sins. Now you talk about a perfect love. I don't know how you are, but you do me wrong once or twice. You continually do me wrong. I ain't got no love for you. Ain't that right? You let me cheat you one time. Let me cheat you real good too. Let me do it spitefully. And you won't like me no more. How many times had we done that to God? You know what, Charity? It's not puffed up. doesn't rise up in anger and in wrath. But Charity suffereth long and is kind. Do you see the charity and the love of God? If, if God did not love, He had wiped the floor with me and cast me into hell. I know that God loves because I can look at the pathway my life was on I can look at the way that I treated Him. I can look at the spite that I had toward His name. I can look how that I I even cursed His own name with my mouth and yet He was merciful to me. He was long-suffering with me. And not only that, but He gave His Son to pay for my sins and He came to me with His Spirit. He changed my mind and brought me to that by His abundant grace. And it's in that love that we dwell There is a saved church today because God loves. Compassion, mercy, long-suffering. All of those those are all facets of God. They're all there because of the love of God. There's no other reason. Can you tell me one reason why God would have saved me other than ununderstandable Love for my soul. I I never gave God one reason to come to where I was. And if you had asked my opinion, I would have said, I don't want God. I I don't want what my family's got. I don't want to come their way. I want to rebel against my family. I want to rebel against my parents. I want to rebel against God. I do not want that way. And yet the love of God came to where I was. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in Him. If you dwell with God today, it's only because of His love. You've never earned it. You've never done good to have it. If you've ever done any good by the Spirit of God, you've done it because He had you do it. But if God, I tell you what He done, one of the greatest kings of the Old Testament, Israel had been in terrible shape. Here comes King Hezekiah. You all know his name. He was a good king. He was a godly man. He sought after God. He reinstilled the Passover. Towards the end of his days, God said, I'm going to test him. 
and we'll see what he's got. You know what he done? He brought in the Babylonians. He showed them everything he had. He failed the test, didn't he? You ever thought why the Lord says in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation? That, that doesn't mean a, a temptation to sin. That's just a trial. That's what it means, a test. You know what's going to happen? You may disagree, but you know what's going to happen when God tests me without His grace to help me? I'm going to fail every time. I'm going to fail every single time. So how do we dwell? We dwell in the love of God Almighty. Herein is our love made perfect, made complete, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now you talk about a love that is perfect. This, this still blows my mind, and I hope we can say it in a way that you can see it, that here is a man that if you was to see his record, you'd be astounded at the sin that this man's committed. You'd be astounded at the filth that I've done and I've chosen to do and i willingly done and much of it I knew was wrong. But do you know what I have in the perfect love of God? That one day the judgment is going to come to me and I'm not going to be afraid. I don't fear the judgment of God because I've been made complete by the love of God. Everything I needed to pay for my sin was given in Jesus Christ. Every piece of righteousness that I needed for God to accept me was given me in Jesus Christ. And here's a guilty man, here's a sinful man, here's a rebellious man that in the day of judgment is going to be free from fear and rejoice in the love of God. That's where we're dwelling. In love. In the love of God Almighty. Here in there that we have boldness. I tell you, it's not, we're not going to be hiding in the corner somewhere, but we'll be able to stand in the presence and the face of God Almighty. And He says in Revelation that He gave them a new song and we'll be singing the praise to the Lamb for the very love that He reached down and redeemed our soul. Boldness. Won't have to be timid like the deer is timid but be able to stand in the presence of our God because I know He loves me. We know, we have known and believed. How do we know and what do we believe? That Jesus Christ was our propitiation. That everything needed was given in Christ and we stand in the love of God. By His grace. Because as He is, so are we in this world. I realize we walk in flesh and blood. Paul says, the body of this death. That's what this is. Man this week said, it's, it's people and children of God walking around with a corpse. That's what it is. And I realize we look at our flesh sometimes and, and we get down and, we, and I, I understand. I know I'm ashamed sometimes of my own self. I'm ashamed sometimes. But the truth is that inward man that God has saved and God has sealed, that inner man does not sin. 
That inner man is pure. That inner man is whole. That inner man is a son and a child of God. This corpse may walk around and it'll stink every now and then. But I tell you, inside of us, there's a part that's just like God. There's a part that God gave in righteousness. And as God is, so we are. In this world, not just in the world to come, but in this world. There is no fear in love. So alarm or fright. Those that are in Jesus Christ. What greater fear is there for a man or a woman than death? We're all mortal. Mortal means liable to die. And the older you get the closer attention you pay to that stuff. Yeah. I better not do that. I'll, that might hurt me. I might get killed if I try that. There's, there's no greater fear. But do you know the way the children of God do? There's no fear even in death for the children of God. Paul said this, and I believe Paul's body was beaten. He was marred. He had... Uh, probably a lot of affliction and a lot of pain in his flesh because of the punishment that he endured through his life. But at the end of his days, recognizing that the sentence of death was about to be carried out on him, he wrote to Timothy and said, I am now ready to be offered. I'm not afraid of leaving this world. I'm not afraid of giving my life. I'm not afraid my head off because I know this. There waits for me a crown of righteousness. I'm not going to be cast away. I'm not going to be forgotten in the grave. But deliverance is coming to our soul. I'll tell you where that's at. We can have no fear in the love of God and Jesus our Savior. An assurance and a peace. Fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. That's a hard saying there. Those that do fear. If there is a fear. We're not talking about reverential fear. We're talking about a fear, a gripping fear. If I fear God in that way, then I've missed the love of God. You know, the world wants to take that verse that God is love and just make God nothing but love. But you got to remember that God's holy and He's just and sin cannot go without payment. There is that side of God as well. The love is that my payment for sin was put on another man's back. The love is that what I was due was put upon the Lord Jesus and He paid for that. But for those that are outside of that love of God, outside of Jesus Christ, that's a judgment to be afraid of. But them that are made perfect, made complete by love, there is no fear. And I'm trying to hurry on down through this We love Him because He first loved us. So this is a cause and effect statement. The cause is because He first loved us. The effect is I now love Him. 
It's unnatural. It wasn't there before. Had God not shown me this love, then I would have never reciprocated love back to Him. Had God not came to me, I would have never came to Him. So... Let's just read it as it is. We're not going to try to add anything to the Scripture, but we love Him because He first loved us. So my love, if there is any genuine love in your heart for God Almighty, that did not come there naturally. That wasn't something that was bred in us. Man is born in sin. He's shapen in iniquity. Man comes out of the womb a rebellious creature. And as he grows and if he comes to years enough, that'll manifest itself. There was no love of God. you know who I loved? I loved me. I didn't care about you. If you got in the way of me and my pleasure... I'd throw you out of the way. Had no love for the church. Had no love for the gospel. Had no love for the truth. And certainly had no love for God. Until He came. And He loved me first. And you can go all the way back here to before the foundation of the world if you'd like. You can go all the way back to Christ Jesus on the cross if you'd like. There there was the love of God for our sins, for our failures, for our iniquities. But let's just go back just a, a little nearer in time and let's go back to the day that God came to us with His gospel and with His spirit and God opened our eyes and opened our hearts, revealed to me my guilt and my sin and showed me His Son, Jesus Christ. Now that day, that day my heart, my mind... And my will was changed. He changed it that day. And what I never loved before, I now loved. The God that I wanted away from, I remember the day. It was a lost boy. It was on a ball field. And the little boy said, Joseph, he knew I went to church with my family. Joseph, have you ever been saved? And there was a way. You know what? I knew the answer to that question that day. No, I've, I've not ever been saved. And you know, there was fear from that day on. What was I afraid of? I realized my sin. I realized I was guilty. I realized I was in danger. And there was the love of God opening my eyes, bringing me to the knowledge of the truth. And sometime later, God revealed Himself to me in love and drew me. And I've never been afraid of hell since. You know that? I remember one time I was asleep and it lightning and thunder cracked close. And this is a God's truth. I shot up in bed awake. And I thought, God's come back I'm at now, I'm dwelling in the love of God Almighty. I'm no longer in a place of judgment, but God's put me in His love. Where is His love? In Jesus Christ. In Christ the Savior we dwell, and in Him alone we dwell, and because of Him we've been made complete, and He loved us first. If a man say, I love God, and hate his brother, he is a liar. It's another hard saying, ain't it? Can a man love God and not love those that are his children? 
by this scripture, if I profess to you that I love God and I've got no love for the brethren, I'm a liar. It is, he's going to go on to say, he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he's not? That's a question mark at the end of verse 20. He's asking you a question. Can a man love God whom he's never seen and not love the brethren? And it's asked with a negative connotation. You know what the answer to that question is? No. It's not possible. Why is that? I didn't love the brethren before, but I've been changed now. God has put me in His love and His love in me. I'm now protected under the Lord Jesus Christ and now the Lord Jesus Christ is in me. So it's by the transformation, the change of God Almighty that since He's brought me into His love, I love God and I love the brethren. Those are not separate things. This is one work. It's not I grow into loving the church. This is all one work. And this commandment have we from Him, this is from the Lord's mouth, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. John's saying, I didn't make this up. That's what he's saying here. This isn't the doctrine of John. But the Lord Jesus spoke these words while He was on the earth. The Lord Jesus said, They'll know you're my disciples in that you love one another. That's in the Gospel of John. And so God's not only causing us to love Him by His changing grace, but our love also is for the brethren and those that He saved. So whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. So I would like you to think about that. For, think about that statement. Here's somebody that believes. That word means to have faith in, upon, with respect to, to credit, to entrust. Somebody that has faith in Jesus as the Christ. That's the anointed one, the Messiah. Those that believe that Jesus is the Messiah is born of God. Now, my question is, how does that work? Do I have faith in that and then I'm born of God? Or am I born of God and I believe that as a result? I believe that's a valid question to have. I believe we could go back to the teaching of uh, Jesus to Nicodemus and see the answer to that question. Nicodemus said, uh, "Nicodemus said, we know you're a teacher from God. We know you're a, a, a mighty man. We know you're a prophet. Nobody could do what you're doing except he be that. And Jesus' first response was, Nicodemus, a man cannot see the kingdom of God except he be born again. So being born again, a birth from above, must precede me seeing the kingdom. And he's going to go on and say, Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot enter. Now think about those words just for a minute. In order for me to enter, I must be born again. There must be a birth from above before I can enter the kingdom of God. See, it's only by grace. I'm not entering in 
to be born again. And sadly, that's the way it's presented a lot of times. If you'll come up here and you'll give yourself, you can be born again. When in reality, the people that come and are, uh, are, have faith and do believe that the Lord is the Christ, they come because they have been. Because the grace of God has been at work in their life. Now, if there is genuine faith, then God has done a genuine work. That's the Word of God. Whosoever believeth is born of God. If there's genuine belief, God's done that. That didn't come from man. That was not there before. God's done a work. And now there's genuine faith. And everyone that loveth Him that begat, loveth Him also that's begotten of Him. So John in a lot of ways, he makes a chain. He continually loops back. And he introduces another thought and he loops back. And he's chaining it all together. And so here, the perfect love of God, we are in, dwelling in love. That love causes us to love the brethren. If we believe that Jesus is the Christ, then we're born of God. And everyone that loveth Him that begat. So if there's a love to God, then there's a love of the brethren. I realize He's already said that. But by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep His commandments. So if we are loving God and we are keeping His commandments, then we are loving the brethren. They are not separate. You can't divide that apart just in these few verses. He said it three times in a way that you can't divide it. But in Christ Jesus, in His love, in the escape of judgment, in being born again and having genuine faith, all of those accompanied by loving the brethren and them that are born of God. That will be there. I don't know, it makes me think as I read this that in John's day, they had a pile of professors with no love for the people of God. Wouldn't you say that's the same day we're in? And John is saying that is an impossibility. If someone loves God, they will love the brethren. If someone's born of God, they will love others that are born of Him. They'll care for their souls by the new birth and by the change when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. That word means weighty or burdensome. So this is what the love of God is. If I have a love of God that's came from on high now, has been placed in my heart, then I'll have an inward desire to keep His commandments and it won't be grievous. It won't be burdensome. It's because of love. If you told me to cook you supper and I didn't love you, it'd be real easy not to do that. But you know, if one of my young'uns that I love says, Dad, I'm hungry, would you cook me something? You know what I do? I do that and I'm happy to do that. You see, the motivation there is love. And so the service to God, 
by being born again is that in my heart I love Him. And He says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5 that the love of Christ constraineth me. Because I love Christ, because the, the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost of God, now it's constraining me and preventing me from living contrary to His law and to His Word. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. Now here's what man would like to do. He would like to lay on you grievous burdens. That's what Jesus said of the Pharisees. You lay grievous burdens on men. You, uh, you devour widows' houses and you lay grievous burdens that you wouldn't touch with your little finger. They want the service of God to be, you ought to be going hungry. And you ought to be staying up all night. And you ought to, it ought to be grievous to you to serve God. While they lay and sleep all night long, and they wake up Monday and they eat breakfast and go to work, and they're trying to lay grievous burdens on other men. I tell you, the, the keeping of the commandments of God for the church is not a grievous thing. But out of love... Because of the love that God has shed abroad on them, they love and want to serve Him. It's not servitude. It's love. Service by love. That His commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. To subdue. So you can say the world is what we live in. I believe that's valid. I believe you can make that point. But I believe the world as well is what we carry around and live in day by day. You know what's born of God? It overcame me. That inward man overcame this outward man. When this outward man didn't want to repent, God persuaded and drew me by the inward man. It subdued this. It brought this into the place of doing what this thing said it would never do. So that that's born of God overcomes this man. There is a greater power in the inward man and in God than I have in my flesh. And God, by the new birth, He causes me to do those things that I never would have done. Why, preacher, I can't do that and I can't do this. I'm telling you, when God gets a hold of a man, He'll have him doing what He said He never would. Maybe I've told you this story before. I can just tell you what's happened to me. My wife, I believe we were dating at the time, said, I want to sing. Why don't we practice us a song and sing together in church? I said, I, I'll never do that. That's what I said. She'll tell you, that's the truth. I said, I can't sing, I'll never do that. And it wasn't just a few weeks later, I was listening to a CD and that song, It's Well With My Soul, came on. Yeah. And God overwhelmed me there. And I started writing down words. I'm going to have to sing this Sunday morning. I got up and sung it. I did what I said I would never do. That's not the only time that's happened. I told Vaughn one time, I said, Vaughn, I can't teach. I'll never teach Sunday school. You just keep right on. I tell you, God, He can overcome a man. He'll bring a man to the place. Vaughn couldn't do it. My wife couldn't do it. I told her no. Boy, I couldn't tell God no though, could I? Thank God for an 
overcoming. I tell you, there's victory in that. You know what that's been to me? I've looked back on that service and that time that God overcame me and made me do what I said I would never do and that's been an Ebenezer for me, a place of victory and assurance. And you know what brought that about? That man that's born of God overcame the world and brought about glory to his own name. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh. There's no maybe, might, but there is an overcoming. And this is the victory. So that victory is, that means means of success. Here is the means of success for overcoming the world, even our faith. It's not that the preacher had to whip me to death and make me submit myself to that. But do you know all that was needed was faith? I, I, almost, I almost hate to say that word, just to be honest, because of what that word means in the minds of a multitude of people. If you look that up in Strong's, it means a persuasion or a conviction, a convincing of the truth. And that faith, we know by the Word of God, that was not of ourselves, but it was the gift of God. I had no persuasion. I was not convinced or convicted of the truth of the Word of God when I was in sin. But do you know what subdued me? Oh, it subdued me. Didn't it subdue you? I mean, everywhere you went, it was on your mind. When you laid down to sleep, it was on your mind. I got to the place, I got to the place that I said, Lord, if you'll speak to me tonight, I will go. If you'll call me tonight, I'm going without fail. There won't be a person in the house stop me from coming if you'll call me. What brought me to that place? God's Spirit persuaded me. You know what He did? He gave me faith. Not a belief. But He persuaded me of that. I'll tell you what it done. The persuasion that God gave me, it subdued this man. And it brought him to a place of submission and yielding to the love of God. This is the means of success. Our faith. We don't have to look anywhere else. But He that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh not in heaven, not in the throne, but in us. That power is in the church. That persuasion, that faith, that gift of God that that subdued us. And I mean, sometimes, sometimes I just lose sight, honestly, of the hole of the pit that I was really in in that day. Sometimes years go by and we forget just what we were in sin and that God came to... I tell you, you talk about... In Job, he talks about the rhinoceros, about the crocodile. You know, man's tamed those beasts. Man couldn't tame me, though. Man couldn't tame me, but boy, the persuasion of God tamed me. You could talk to me and I'd argue with you. 
And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed confrontation. I never argued with God as to whether that was right or not. Ain't that something that in a moment, in a moment I was completely persuaded and subdued by the power of God. I think about the Apostle Paul and just a, a, a very open picture that we all know and are aware of. But the same thing happened to every one of us. A light shined brighter than the noonday sun around Paul. And Paul who had letters to persecute and to cast in prison the church. Paul who was breathing out threatenings and slaughterings to the church. The light of the Lord shined around him. And it don't have to be bright light that blinds the natural eye. I tell you, the noonday sun could shine on me and it wouldn't reveal the filth that was in me. But the light of God, it got where the noonday sun couldn't get and it revealed what I was. And the Apostle Paul never went back to persecuting the church. He never went to Damascus and done what he said he was going to do. You know what God did? He set the prick, the goad, the sharpened stick that went behind the ox that was in yoke. You tied the yoke to them, you put the plow behind them, and you put the sharp stick at their hind end, and they couldn't back up. They couldn't. Why, they could, preacher. Could they? Really, could they? People's wrong. I'm telling you, people's wrong with their thinking nowadays. God subdued Paul and Paul couldn't go back. Paul was a different man. Paul who had never prayed before, God told Ananias, he's down there praying. He's needing help. He knows you're coming. I've told him you are coming. You just go down there and don't be afraid of him. He's my vessel. That's what he said about you. You that were untamable. You that lived in the tombs. You that were clutched in sin. You that the chains of man couldn't hold. God had you sitting and in your right mind in a moment. What brought about that victory? It wasn't family tragedy. It wasn't great sorrow and suffering in the flesh. It was the faith, the persuasion that came by the Spirit and the Word of God. He subdued the world, the unsubduable. He that overcometh the world. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Who are those that have subdued? Those that believe. See, that belief... That belief, real, genuine belief and entrusting in the Lord Jesus, that cannot come without the power of God persuading the heart of a man, stopping a man in his tracks and making... uh, The God's truth is He made a new creature out of me before I came to the altar. I was a different person after He persuaded me before I ever came to Him. And so those that overcome the world, they overcome it by persuasion. We overcame the world one day. I tell you, when you came down here or wherever you bowed yourself and you said, God, would you deliver me? Would you save me? I submit myself. That was a great day of overcoming the world. And you overcame it by the faith that God put in you. And so... 
How do we continue to overcome? By the same persuasion. I didn't know a whole lot then. I'm sure you probably didn't know a whole lot then either. But you know what we've done? We've walked with the Lord. We've heard preaching that's revealed things to us. We've studied ourselves and we've saw things in the Word of God. And today, by faith and believing and by persuasion, we've grown in Christ Jesus. And this old man that God began to subdue, He subdued a whole lot more today. If we, if we really got saved, He subdued more and more and more of this man. And so, who is he that overcometh? But he that believeth. Can anybody without faith subdue? Can this be done by man's strength? Can man pull himself up by the bootstraps? Can man uh, be shamed into this? Can man be persuaded by man to come to this? Can this be done by the hands of men? Can the deacon board get this work done? I'll just say for me, they couldn't do it. I remember mom and daddy set me down in the living room one time. She's weeping her eyes out. I could have cared less. You can say that's me. That was me. That's who I was. Didn't affect me in the least. Wasn't going to stop me for a minute. I could overcome them. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a persuasion that I could not overcome. The power of God overcame me. And He brought me to Himself. And by that faith, by that victory, we're going to overcome the world. We're going to overcome in the judgment. And we're going to overcome in eternity with God our Savior. And thank God for His wonderful...